Hey, Brett, how's it going this week? Good, Anch. How are you? Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank and Brett's back. Yay! <laughs> Cue the applause. Yeah, you're, you're welcome, everyone. I know. Listen, everyone missed you. Listening to Angela by herself is a little cringy. They, everyone hates it without you. You're the star of the, of the podcast. Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, so I already broke the news to our listeners, but we are moving. Oh, man. Did you know that? Cat's out of the bag. <laughs> he, it's a surprise, Brett. Woo. No, he, obviously he knew. Um, so are you ready for your trivia question? Is it the last one because we're moving? No. Um, but what is the, the, I thought this was perfect. So I looked up the average cost of a move. And apparently, like, the average, when you move across the country in America, the average distance that they had in their formula was 1,200 miles, which is ironically the exact mileage that we are moving. That's the average? For, like, intercontinental moves. Not people moving down the street, but when people are moving across the country. So what is the average move for somebody moving 1,200 miles? Gosh, it's over. No, this is just moving costs, not factoring in like security deposits and all of that that we've gotten sure, to pay. So like moving truck or if you use the service or don't use the service, yep. move yourself. Uh, I still think it's probably over ten thousand dollars. No, not it's even not? close. What? Really? I'm close. That'd well, be crazy. My sister got ripped off because I think hers was way more than that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Don't know what she did then. Um, the average moving cost for twelve hundred miles is forty three hundred dollars. Okay. And we're actually moving at a fraction of that cost. Right, because we're not like hiring a service to move us. Correct. Right? We're... we're DIYing it, baby. Um, mostly because my dad is amazing. Oh, we'll yeah. Probably not be DIYing we, it. So, yes, we are having a service move us, but it's, you know, Dan Zeger moving services. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I, I, I just want to talk a little bit about how we got our moving costs so low because. We're not hiring a service, so packing up boxes is just the cost of supplies, which is relatively inexpensive. And then we actually negotiated our truck, so we got the truck price, you know, at a pretty reasonable cost, in my opinion. And then we'll just have like gas and you know hotel stays, but I don't think that the average moving price is calculating that. Um, so. Yeah, let's just jump right in. So I guess step one, when we found out we were moving, I ran over to um, a package store and I bought a bunch of boxes and bubble wrap. And I think that set me back about $35 for 20 boxes and a bunch of bubble wrap. So Yeah, and I know it depends on where you buy bubble wrap. Like I know in Staples, I was trying to wrap books or something for school that I was shipping and it was like a fortune. Like, it was way more expensive than I thought it was for, like, air and plastic. Right. Right. Um, But, yeah, if you're getting it from, like, a shipping store or something, it's probably a little bit better. And another thing I would actually really recommend people is half of the moving boxes we got were from somebody else who had moved who didn't need them anymore. So they were just willing to, like, give us a bunch of large moving boxes. And that's not uncommon. Yeah, people move around the city that you're in every day. Right. Right. And just by posting on, I see it on Facebook all the time where people are like, hey, I have moving boxes or hey, I need moving boxes. And they change hands all the time. So like, you know, we bought some, but we had a bunch that we just kind of, you know, were donated to us or whatever. And I actually also had several friends like offer to give me Rubbermaid tubs or moving boxes that they did not need. So that was a huge help in getting all of those supplies. Yeah, because you need so many like Rubbermaid, if you're going to move with all Rubbermaid tubs, right, you get so many to move and then... You don't need that many when you when you get to your destination, right? right. What do you do with all that stuff, right? Exactly. You, you don't need them again until you move. Sure, you store some stuff in your house, but 
if you're storing the same amount of stuff that you use to move, then you're just storing everything you own, right? Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> so doing something wrong. So definitely, like, feel free to ask for you know friends or family for supplies because even bubble wrap can be used more than once. So that's something else that I've seen. Like people kind of you you know swap around or pass on to use multiple times before they retire it. But and half the fun of the bubble wrap is popping the bubble wrap, right? Okay, but you can pop like a little bit and not all of it. Yeah, I want somebody else's used bubble wrap. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. Um, so, so yeah, moving supplies can be expensive, but you can find ways to do it on the cheap. The biggest expense we've had is the truck rental. So we are renting a 16-foot truck. And we the, the best thing I can recommend for that is get multiple quotes. So don't just like go to the U-Haul place and say, give me your truck. Um or you, buy it online because you're not getting right. any kind of a deal there. Right. Yeah. So, you know, call people, which I know uh-huh. whew, I am not somebody who would recommend that very often because I hate talking on the phone. But pick up the phone, call around, get competitive quotes from everybody. Um, we actually got our truck mileage and everything included for right around $900, which is a really good deal. So um, because that, that factors in all the mileage. So, right. And that's going great. from from Michigan all the way down to central Florida. Yeah. Right? So 1,200 miles. Pretty, pretty long trip. So, um, yeah, that was great. And one way, too, right? Because you'll get a discount if you bring it back to the store that you got it from. But Correct. forget that noise, right? <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, call around, get different quotes. But we were able to get, you know, a really good deal on that. And then, um, you know, kind of the other big expense we'll have is gas. So I factored that our gas to get our car, which basically runs on sunshine. So once we hit Florida, it'll be free. Um, and the truck down there, it'll it'll set us back about $500. So all in, I would say we are going to be able to move for, you know, right around that $1,500, $1,600 mark. So we're a third of the national average. Because would you expect anything less from us? Right. And we still have a bunch of junk, even though we've downsized a lot of our stuff, right? Yeah, we still need a, like a, it's not the smallest truck, right? It's the second I mean, smallest. Yeah. So we did okay, but there's still, still I, a lot of I stuff. I think it's actually the smallest that they'll let you take on an interstate move. Oh, interesting. Because okay. so, they won't, I don't think they rent out the 12-footers for that very often. The, the small apartment movers. Right. They don't like those so that's a really good point though, Brett, is um, step one in getting your cost down for moving is to downsize. Because by us being able to fit everything in one small truck, we get to pay a lot less than somebody who might need two big trucks. Um, I know when my sister moved up here from Florida a few years ago, she had a lot of stuff that they were bringing up and they actually had to rent two trucks and her and her husband had to both drive one of them. So obviously that right there just doubled her costs from ours. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, we, I, I would say we kind of went into this with the mentality of everything must go. We've downsized a tremendous amount in the last few weeks. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it was quite 50% of what we owned in the first place, but we've donated, a, I don't know, 12, 15 carloads now because you've taken some since I was gone, right? Uh, full carloads of like clothes and uh, appliances and shelving and your, your desks and stuff like that, right? Like all kinds of things. Well, all of those carloads didn't even include all the furniture that we're getting rid of, such as like bedside stands and dressers and, you know, tables and patio furniture, so there's still, even what's left in our house, we're probably getting rid of half of the furniture we own. Right. So that's been a huge help because we can get the small truck and not have to pay as much money to move it all. And it's, uh, 
it also kind of helped us when we were searching for a new place to live down there because, you know, we're going to be renting and we didn't have to try to find this like enormous place to hold all of our stuff. We could move into a much smaller condo. And that was uh, right. Obviously, that was intentional for us. Right? We wanted to downsize whether we stayed here or moved. We were probably going to downsize uh, into a smaller footprint just because that was what felt normal to us. Right. Because right, I think, you know, we were looking at our house and we were just like, we have so much unused space. And then what's really amazing about that is we felt like we had all this unused space and and that made us not realize how much stuff that we did have until we started going through the process of like cleaning out our closets and being like, how did we get all of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I got rid of at least a quarter of my clothes, if not closer to a half of like the clothes that I had. But I still had a lot of clothes from like high school. Right. And I was like, it is it is now time for this stuff to go. I right? mean, I really appreciated like all of the Aeropostale shirts that you saw. So still many, had. so many Aeropostale sweaters and American Eagle jeans. Just and, love that free marketing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Are they even still in business? I don't even know. I don't know. I haven't been That's to a, a good mall question. in a long time. So, yeah. Gosh, yeah, me neither. I, I have no idea. Um, but so the beauty of getting rid of stuff too is we were able to sell some stuff. And, you know, that kind of helps with the cost of moving as well when you can yep. pay for it with, mm-hmm. with stuff that you downsize. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to kind of discuss, though, is packing and moving stuff yourself, because I think that's an approach that, you know, some people just hire movers to get it over with, which you can totally do. I'm kind of a control freak in the sense that I like knowing where my stuff is anyways, so I kind of like packing my own boxes. And I found that it doesn't really take that long, you know, to box stuff up, because it, as long as you kind of remain organized. So we were pretty good about saying, okay, you know, we're going to go through first and get rid of everything we don't want. So by the time I was boxing stuff up, it was like, well, we want to take all of this. So I just have to like organize it into this box and then keep moving. Um, But we were able to get through that pretty quickly. And then as far as like manpower goes, you know, we're fortunate to have family around that wants to help us. But in the past, we've also had friends help us move. And Honestly, having a moving party where you just like offer to buy dinner for everybody who helps you is so much cheaper than hiring out movers. Right. Yeah. And that was like a really fun day too. I mean, we all moved a bunch of junk around and people came over, but then we just hung out most of the time because the actual physical moving part of it is like not as long. Right. right. You just you have like eight people over and you're all unloading the truck and hopefully there's only one truck, right, to unload. And then you just spend the rest of the day hanging out and like maybe opening some boxes, but mostly eating food and just like, you know, talking. So. Yeah, it's always been a good time for us. And so then it's that win-win of like you get, you know, you get to break, I guess, have a kind of like a housewarming party and, mm-hmm. you know, move some stuff around. But it's like that old saying, you know, many hands makes light work. And so, the, you know, we've always, I guess every move, we've always been really lucky where we have like multiple friends or family members that show up and pitch in. And it, it gets done really quickly. And then it always makes me think like, well, would it even be worth it paying like hundreds and hundreds of dollars to hire movers? So I always end up moving, even though it, it can be annoying and frustrating. But it's one of those things that I think when you suck it up and do it, it's just like, oh, eh, it was probably worth saving hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And I mean, it, if you have lots of friends coming over and helping, that's one thing. If you have one friend coming over and helping, that's just a lot of work for that one person, right? Uh, so it, it balances. So buy them an extra nice dinner. Out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it also depends how much stuff you have, I would say. So, you know, for us, I feel like our move is going to be very quick. 
Um, so when we move in down there, you know, we're moving over a holiday weekend. So we only have one family member who's available to help us move into our new place. But even with three of us, I think it'll go quite quickly um, just because we're, we're really not going to have that much stuff at that point. Right. We hope. We hope. It, it still <laughs> feels like more than we should have. Yeah. And, you, you know, even for us, we obviously we've been like pretty selective about things that we buy and, you know, stuff that we own and like trying to, you know, reduce and minimize over time. And right at the end of the day, we still look through the house. We're still going through everything we have. And we just still, still feel like we have so much stuff. Right. right. And if like everybody in our neighborhood did this same exercise, like it would be crazy. It would be a crazy amount of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. There's what? I don't know. A thousand houses in the subdivision and or maybe a little more. And if all of them cleaned out half of the junk in their house that they haven't touched in 10 years, that that would fill up, you know, a store or more than that. right? Or more. Probably yeah. Way I mean, more than that. It would fill like fill a Walmart size store. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I think what really kind of opened my eyes to some of this over the years is watching my parent, my grandparents move and downsize over the years. So they had a house and then they moved into a condo. And when they did that, they had to downsize. And then they moved into an assisted living facility where they had to downsize even further. And I watched them like kind of go through the process of realizing that their possessions weren't the most important things in their life, but the memories they had were. And I feel like that's kind of the angle we've tried to take you know, as well is it's not like these possessions or having a hundred Christmas glittery Christmas ornaments that Brett adored um, made us like that much happier. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, we'd rather have less items, but ones that really kind of mean something to us. Right. And you, know, you look at that stuff and you're like, you know, did somebody get this for me because it was like a heartfelt thing or it was because it was on sale? Right? Or something like that. Right. And you're like, okay, this is an easy choice to keep some of this stuff. Well, in our ornaments, like, we just bought this giant $10 pack from Target one year because we had none. And they were just, like, red glittery balls that you've hated probably from day one. Right. Because I just, like, hated my life every time I touched any of those ornaments because I was covered in, like, unicorn snot. <laughs> um, okay. So now that we've kind of talked about the move and how we you know, downsized and, and negotiated the truck. And, you know, w we can move 1,200 miles for about $1,600, which is pretty good. Um, let's kind of switch gears and talk a little bit about apartment selection in a new city that is actually a little bit higher cost of living than the city we're currently in. Right. And it, do you mean apartments specifically or like is houses an option too? Or are we just... Well, Cause, cause let's... We, we looked at both, right? We looked at living in, in a house or living in an apartment or sorry, renting for both. But obviously, you could go buy in a new city also. But that's a little riskier, right? Because you don't know the market. You know, it's hard to make good numbers and estimates. And yeah, you can work with a realtor that you know they say they know what they're doing in the area. But right, you don't know. It's hard for you to validate your numbers. Yeah. So I guess I'll say kind of initially, I I think most of the time when you move to a new city, it's good to rent for at least six months to a year, because you unless you previously lived in the city and you know what part of town you want to be in because you know if you've never lived somewhere especially where you know we're moving to a large metropolitan area there's so many different neighborhoods and suburbs and pockets that like how would we even pick and if we did pick how would we know that we like you know picked the right place for us so we're taking the approach of renting you know for a couple years to get our bearings first and We've done multiple episodes on renting versus buying and why renting is not as terrible as everyone makes it out to be. Um, 
Or is more cost effective than owning. Correct. In, and in scenarios. Which is funny, as people who own real estate and have, you know, bought investments and bought multiple houses, um, we can see both sides. But I think when you're, we kind of both sit firmly in the position that it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to buy a house right away because we don't know the market, we don't know the area. So let's just kind of talk about our thought process on picking the right apartment because we went down a couple weeks ago and looked at eight different units or so, something like that. We had a pretty booked day. It was supposed to be a dozen, but a bunch of people flaked on us as always. Yeah, which which was fine. I was like super sick that weekend, so I didn't mind like being calling it early. Um, so we looked at, I would say, a range, actually, a very large range. There was probably, you know, close to $1,000 difference between the, the high-end property that we looked at and the lowest end. And this was after we filtered out anything over a certain price point that we deemed ridiculous, even though there was a lot more up mm-hmm. there. Um, so that that was step one, I guess, actually, was we sat down and we looked at our budget and we picked a reasonable target for our goals. And we said, we won't even look at a property if it's over this, which I think is a very important step because I promise you, if we looked at, we could have looked at a gorgeous property for you know twice what we we're willing to pay and we would have loved it, but why even go there? Why even like look at something that you shouldn't do? Right, because it makes the place that you would have picked otherwise that was totally fine. It just makes it feel like inferior, right? When you're making, right. you're just mentally changing your decision making process by by exposing yourself to that. Right. So our criteria for our place was we really preferred two bedrooms at this stage in our life. We wanted around a thousand square feet, I'd say. Um, that felt like the right size place to us. We wanted one parking spot at least included since we have one car. And, and the parking in our area is like horrible, right? It's like right. pay for parking. There's no free parking like anywhere. So. Yeah, we're living in a very urban downtowny environment. Yep. So um, definitely wanted parking included. And oh, we wanted it to be in a walkable, nice neighborhood was kind of our criteria there. So set our budget, we pre-booked a ton of places online and we started the day. And the first place we looked at was on the lower end of our budget, but I would classify it kind of as pretty dumpy. It was was a fixer upper, it kind of looked like, right? (laughs) Yeah, like I told Brett, like if we got that place, I was probably going to like repaint it and install new toilets, even if it had to be on my own dime. Yeah, and that that really was the first conversation that we had as we walked through the unit. It was like, okay, I might look, look replace this carpet or repair these windows, or we were looking at it more as like landlords buying a property that we can like repair and like make look nice and like increase the rent on, rather than actually buying a place that we were going to be living in. Right, but I mean, if I was going to live there, like I would have had to recock the bathtub. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, it was just it was just dirty and nasty, and the guys said they were going to like clean it and fix it up and stuff, but you know. You know, you don't know. Yeah. So, but I, but we did like uh, the location of that place a lot. So we kept it in the running. And then I was on to place number two, which was, so place number one was like a ground floor, had a little backyard area, which was very nice. Um, Number two was in a high rise building, but it was like night and day. Like this place was like very clean, spotless, floor to ceiling windows, like the whole nine yards. Um, And it was, I believe, $200 a month more. So in the middle of the budget that we set, though. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, and included a parking spot. So it kind of checked all, all right. the boxes. It, that we it felt like they were much closer than they should have been. So Yes. For, for the amount of work that we would have 
had to do ourselves to make that place like up to the first one, yeah. our standard of living. Um, the second place was like, wow, this is really good. Um, and then after that, we went to, so the first two places we looked at were more like condo styles. Um, and then after that, we went to some apartment complexes that were like, outrageously more expensive in my opinion and had fees like brett got so mad at one point because he's like are they gonna like charge me a fee for literally everything oh yeah and they were bad and like everywhere we looked at down there in that area right so it was just like compared to like where we are in michigan it's not common i don't know we haven't rented in six years i guess but even as landlords i don't have this kind of like fee structure where it's like here's this outrageous pet fee if you have a fee that's not refundable plus an additional monthly fee for your pet and i'm like you're not supposed to do both of those it's like a realtor trick to either do one or the other it's like unheard of to do both this person had both Mm -hmm. and then there was another fee to like move in and like reserve like the elevator and stuff which that's not uncommon, but it was exorbitantly expensive for that also. And I was like, for the elevator for like two hours for the day that nobody was going to use anyway? Like, what? Um, right. And there were like four other fees all listed on this sheet. I'm like, this is just your whole business model is just like renting people as fast as you can as for as short durations as you can and just racking up the fee charge. Because you're basically getting like almost, you know, $1,500 in fees alone if you had to pay all the fees, like with a pet fee, right? You basically had to pay all the other fees without a pet. But well, yeah, it was it was close to that, just for nothing. And the other Plus weird the security deposit. Well, and the other weird thing about their security deposit at this place was, it was like a sliding scale. Like it changed depending on your application, and that. But then you could elect to pay fifty percent of the security deposit and make it like non-refundable. But then you like weren't on the hook for stuff, and I was like, what? Like. What is happening? Yeah, there was there's some weird, weird regulations and loopholes that they were probably trying to get through. Because security deposits in Michigan, as a as a landlord, are very, very protected. Right. Uh, you, this is what it is. This is what you can charge. You can't go over this amount. It has to be one point time five times the rent, and that's the limit. And like that's it. And it has to be stored in this account. And right, this is the interest rate it can have, which sometimes is zero. And right, it's very, very specific, and you can't deviate from that standard. And like down there, it was just it was completely different, right? Right. There's like, um, the sky's the limit on the security deposit and like we can do weird stuff with it and we can apply math to it and maybe we'll give it all back and we'll see about it. And I'm like, wow. All right. Very, yeah. Very different world. It was but. just very odd as like landlords going through the process and all of their application fees were like insanely high compared to what we charge up here. Oh, yeah, just the application fee to apply for the unit, right? Right. Um, just to, to do your credit check, background check, and stuff. Yeah, like ours are like $30 here, and we can get like a pretty reasonable background check through a service within like 24 hours or faster. So I will say another thing about the place that we picked that I really liked was the uh, realtor that was in charge of, that was the property manager on the unit said he would review our application with the owner first and only charge the fees if they wanted to move forward. So right. like... That was kind of nice because I feel like what you don't want to do in that situation is apply to places that are like, oh, no, sorry, we went with somebody else, but we took your money anyways. So like you kind of want to make sure you're like only applying to a select few places when the fees are that high. And when you do, you're applying to places that you have a pretty good shot of getting the unit. Right, because I mean, it was it was really expensive. It was like seventy five dollars per person. Yeah, so one hundred and fifty bucks just to apply, you know, hoping that we got it. Right. And if you know you're in a scenario where like somebody else already has an application in and they're already like part of the way through the process, then yeah, I mean that's a huge deterrent, right? Right. So they're they're really controlling that that market a little bit with that. Yeah. So so then um, after that place with all the fees, 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 uh, we went on to the next unit that was above a bakery, which. 
I was like, I had a love-hate relationship with because, I mean, I have celiac, so I can't eat traditional bakery items. And I was like, I'm going to smell this delicious food every single morning when they start baking at like 4 a.m. And I can't have it. So that kind of like ruled that place out. Yeah. I mean, it was a a nice, well-taken-care-of unit. It had like modern appliances and the finished floors. And it was was a lot nicer finishes uh, from some of the places we looked at in a nice area. And reasonably priced. Bars and restaurants right out the door. Like it was a happening kind of place. Yeah. Yeah, And again, in our mid-range price point. So the guy that lived there was kind of a flake. So, uh, you know, it was was hard to negotiate that scenario because we weren't entirely sure that he was actually going to move out right so so we kind of passed on that one um and then the next place was the smallest place that we looked at and it was the cheapest end of our price range but it was it was a hundred dollars less than the first place so three hundred dollars less than like the the best place we had seen all day and it was half the size like it was tiny it was very small uh, no laundry in unit but it was like around back but the big con for us was no parking included in an area where like there's a lot of events and festivals and parking is very hard to come by. And it had the driveway, right? We just weren't allowed to use it. Yeah, it had the driveway, but we weren't allowed to use it because the people who lived there had enormous trucks and were like, we couldn't fit one more car back here. And I was like, our car is like (laughs) the tiniest thing. Like get, I could just park it on top of your truck. Like it could, you could just open the bed of your truck and my car will fit in it. So what? Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that was a huge con, um, uh, kind of almost like that, that kind of took it off the table for me because I was like, this place isn't cheap enough for how outdated, small and damaged, damaged, like literally broken windows. Yeah. More than one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that kind of took that place off the table, but we, we thought it was really important to like, look at the low end of the, uh, of the table and just see like. For the cheapest rent in this area, what could we get? Because we didn't just want to like auto jump to like the expensive places. So it was good to at least do the research, I right. think. And we we tried to find those places too. Like we we looked through the selection because it's a very common realtor trick to just find like the crappiest house at like a high price point and then show you that one and then show you, oh, well, this is what you're going to get for your dollar at this price point. But if you go a couple hundred dollars more, you know, I'll show you something a lot fancier, right? And that happened to me in Chicago. That happened, you know, mm-hmm. here in, 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 in this area also. And, right, so, you know, if you're working with somebody that you don't really know, the, that that happens all the time. Right. But if you're the one finding these properties and you understand that this, like, crappy-looking place is the lowest one on the market compared to other ones that you had seen, then you can trust your data a little bit more. Yeah, and I also want to caveat and say we could have definitely found cheaper places if we were willing to be in a car-heavy area. But staying in that walkable neighborhood was very important to us. So, like, that's why our, you know, our price range was probably a little bit higher for some of these crappy places because they were in such a good location that, like, the location was making that property be valuable, even though it was, like, somewhere I was like, this is pretty shitty. Right. For, like, one to $200 a month to completely or almost completely eliminate our auto expenses, right? That's, That's a worthwhile trade. Right. So... Um, so then the the last place that we looked at was the high end of our price range. And it was the largest unit, but only a one bedroom. Because it, I think it's the largest bedroom I've ever seen in my entire life. I have seen studio apartments that are smaller than that bedroom was. Oh, yeah. So the let's say it was like a two by two or two big giant bowling alleys. But they were really wide also. One contained an enormous bathroom and the full kitchen. 
and a full living room that was big enough to be a living room and a dining room. That was just one half of the and apartment. And a huge kitchen. Like, I mean, like, oh, yeah, was, like my dream kitchen, maybe. Like, it had this beautiful island, huge island that had, like, a sink in it. Plus, it was, like, such a big island that it had the sink on one half and enough counter space on the other half that you could put stools and have a breakfast bar. Be a full another island, yeah. yeah. Plus, like, the double oven, right? It was Everything was brand new. Uh, this place was immaculate, right? And not an unreasonable price point, but it was, you know. For a one-bedroom, I thought it was very expensive. That's true. But for the square footage, it wasn't. Correct. It was just a poorly laid out design. Because, <laughs> yes. yeah, it was just literally split in half. And the entire other half was, like, a little uh, smaller bathroom. And it was still pretty big. And then the entire rest of the whole <laughs> half of the apartment was the bedroom. And let me just say, the smaller bathroom still had a jetted jacuzzi tub and a full stand-up shower. And you could do cartwheels. And two sinks. So we actually had a friend once at our old house where we had a half bathroom. And he was like, this half bathroom is so big I could do a cartwheel in it. This bathroom was so big that... Him and his wife and both of us could do cartwheels side by side while their baby was like walk, you know, hanging out on the other half of the bathroom, and we wouldn't even like land on top of him. Yeah, but yeah, the bedroom itself was the the most mammoth thing because you could have fit the bed, another bed, four chairs, right? Like it, yeah, it was it was it was, it was a whole apartment. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I was like, if we moved in here, we would have to put our king bed in here and our queen bed, and our guests would just have to sleep in the same room as us because. It's huge. Right. I and mean, it was a great unit for slumber parties. I mean. Yeah, that's right. true. That's true. Beds, beds, beds. Uh, okay. So basically we were, you know, done looking at places and we had to pick between fees, 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 beds, 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 uh, cock, 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 or um, perfect, perfect, perfect. So we picked the perfect place because it was $400 less than the giant one bedroom Mm -hmm. Um, So even though it was, like I said, very firmly in the mid-range of our budget, we felt like it was worth paying extra to get that parking spot. Um, We had washer-dryer in-unit as well as a dishwasher in-unit, which is awesome. We we don't care about the dishwasher, but... That used to be a high-value item for me. Like when I was looking for an apartment in Chicago, that was like, oh, it's on my must-have list. And then it's not not even a factor anymore. But But the washer-dryer in-unit is very convenient. It's very nice, yeah. and the, I mean, this building really just like knocked it out of the park for us. It had everything we wanted. The grocery store is literally right downstairs. Yep. That is, right that is a big factor, right? That's another reason we don't have to have the cars often. Full grocery store. It's not like a little market. It was a full, yeah. Full, huge full, full grocery, huge store. grocery store. Um, so the location was perfect. And we felt like it was kind of willing, you know, we were willing to compromise on our budget and go in the mid range. But I, I think the kind of what I want to emphasize here is it was very good for us to look at that full range. It was good for us to understand, like, if we wanted to get the cheapest option in this area, what does that look like? And then make our decision from there. So, you know, I, I think, I guess the moral of this podcast is, you know, we talk a lot about make the decision that's right for you and your family, but do the research first. So it's not always about saving every last penny. It's about being happy in life, maximizing happiness, but... We could have very easily in this area literally doubled our budget and gotten, we could have gotten, gone to the building and gotten a two bedroom that had the amazing, my dream kitchen, right? But it would have been twice what we're paying. And like, that's not worth it, right? Because we're getting a very nice unit at a very reasonable price. So we don't need like, 
we don't need that super amazing kitchen just yet. Right. Balance your priorities. Uh, no matter what your price point is or what is important to you, you can always still get a good deal, right, on whatever it is. If it's a high, higher value finishes and higher, you know, higher end stuff, still look for, look at those areas and still get the best deal in that, right? Don't just take the first one that you see just because it looks the nicest right. of the other things that you looked at. If you if you're stretching out of your price range a little bit, really look at several of those and kind of start that experience over again and say, okay, no, this is a great deal. Yeah, because you want to get the best possible thing you can get for the lowest price you can get, and there is. One of those things out there on the market is the answer to that, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not It's not like a couple or whatever, right? And we both walked away feeling like we got a great price on an amazing property. Yep. So that's how you know you made the right decision, I guess. Um, but I would say the big takeaway that we did was we set our budget beforehand and we did a hard filter. So we never even looked at, we never even tempted ourselves with anything outside of our price range, which right. is... Definitely what you should be doing, you know, because otherwise it's so easy to go see the beautiful place that looks picture perfect and just make an emotional decision instead of a practical decision. So, all right, well, that'll about wrap up this podcast. So we covered moving costs and picking out a place in a new city. So just kind of recap our advice there is DIY the move if you feel comfortable. You will save a lot of money doing it yourself. Um, definitely negotiate the truck price. That's like the biggest number one thing you can do. Yeah, we saved hundreds on that just for asking. Right? Yeah. I mean, like talk about negotiating your like Comcast bill or whatever, right, for internet. Like this is, that's totally, this is one conversation is going to save you like four or $500. Right. Yep. So, so negotiate that for sure. And um, downsize, right? Because the less that you have to take, the smaller truck you can get, which is a, a win. Um, and then, yeah, when picking out a place, you know, set that, set your budget ahead of time and don't let... Don't start working with somebody and let them talk you into upgrades. Because even when we looked at several apartments, they were like, oh, this is like this floor plan. But if you want like the upgraded cabinets, you know, it's only an extra $400 a month and this place looks brand new. And I'm like, I don't care about like your, it's not like they put in nice wooden cabinets. They just like paint them and make them look nicer. I'm like, this is I guess maybe because we are landlords, we can like kind of call bullshit on some of that right. a and, little bit and more. And no understanding how flips work too, right? You can make a place like look really clean and feel real nice by buying the cheapest stuff at Menards, Home Depot, Lowe's, right? Just because it's new, gutting that stuff out, it just feels clean. Because right. it's, there's like no marks, it's clean wood, right? But, or maybe not even wood, <laughs> um, half plastic. But right, it just like, because it's brand new, it just, you just feel like it's more expensive. Right. And so. it's like totally not worth paying like five grand more a year for that right? by any stretch. So, you know, just make the right decision. I feel like we talk about that all the time, which means do your homework, pick something that's comfortable in your budget and allows you to like save money. Cause that was, I mean, obviously that's huge for us. We didn't want to get in somewhere where all of our money was just going towards paying rent for this pretty apartment, but we couldn't save money anymore. So there is that middle ground. There is the perfect place that's out there. You know, you have to... Sometimes you have to, you know, look at a lot of places and take your time, but you'll find it. So just keep looking, live on Zillow. That's my motto in life. Um, <laughs> and, and you'll figure it out. So hopefully this is helpful if anybody plans on moving soon. 
And hopefully Brett will be around to join us for a few more episodes here so I don't have to do it all by myself. That's right. Yeah, we'll we'll try and save you guys from that as much as possible. (laughs) All right. Well, if you have any questions, as always, feel free to contact me. I will drop all of my contact information. Uh, We really love hearing from you guys. We've actually been hearing from more and more of you lately, which has been really, really exciting. And I love, I I typically respond to all of your emails just as soon as I can. Um, So I really do appreciate all the emails we've been getting. Uh, Do be patient with us because we are packing and moving. So I might be a little bit slower to respond these days, but I will get back to you. And we really appreciate all of you tuning in every week. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.